0: sharing about Gideon getting faith I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 11 verse 32 because Gideon is in the faith chapter of Hebrews chapter 11 and there have been some heroes of faith spoken about and they're tremendous testimonies of faith and Paul gets towards the end and he says and what more do I need to say It would take a long time for me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms ruled the people well, obtained promises, kept from harm in dens of lions and in a furnace of fire, escaped death by the sword and out of weakness were made strong. And that's what I'm going to focus on today. Because out of weakness and being made strong was how Gideon learned how to respond to God in faith. He thought, I'm not worthy, so God would not bother with me. He had to learn and to understand the partnership arrangement that God desired to have with him. This message of Gideon, getting faith, is also God's message to each one of us, where life and power can be released into any situation through our faith partnership with Jesus, which is simply trusting that God is at work for good in the situation. We learn to focus upon the fact that God invites us into that partnership with him. He invites us. Let's look at Gideon's response to God's invitation. We read from Judges chapter 6 and verse 11. And the scene is a wine press, which is an enclosed area on any kind of farm or property. So Gideon was not out in the open. He was hiding. And a wine press was not where wheat was usually threshed and separated out. So he was threshing in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites, which were an oppressive nation that God had used to punish Israel for seven years because of their continual disobedience. I mean, they were getting, they were bad and getting worse. They had idolatry, they had intermarried with all the other nations and they were told not to do that. God wanted to preserve that nation for himself. So the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valour. (coughs) Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. That's a mighty faith statement. Oh, if, why, where, but. There's a lot of oh and if and why and where and but in there. And that's because Gideon had a very low estimation of himself And he also underestimates God's desire to have us work with him. He didn't get that. God had to remind Gideon that salvation, and he's talking about being saved from the mighty hordes of the Midianites and all the other nations who are going to gather together and pounce because Israel were in a weakened state. And God has to remind Gideon that salvation is his idea and he will accomplish what he sets out to do. And we have the privilege to be part of what he's doing. That's his plan. So God overrides the oh, if, but, why, where and tells Gideon to get on with it. So the Lord turns to him and says, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent you? Well, Gideon makes one more attempt to wriggle out of the assignment, and he explains his lack of status and qualifications, and he outlines his CV that identifies him as unemployable. Verse 15, he says to God, "Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And anyway, God shuts down Gideon's resistance, and he assures Gideon that all he needs to know is that God will be with him. And the project will succeed. Two factors. Surely I'll be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So then Gideon, he responds. The angel of the Lord is giving him certain prompting to do certain things. He does certain sacrificial offerings as the angel directs him. And in Judges chapter 6, we're still in chapter 6, we get down to verse 24. And Gideon built an altar there and named it the altar of peace with Jehovah. And peace, that word peace, speaks of oneness, togetherness with God. He is our peace. And he burned down the altars of Baal. This is because all of Israel had been in idolatry. for Seven years, and that seven years meant the completion of of their lawlessness and idolatry and it was time for dealing with them. And burning the idols, is what Gideon did, was the signal to all of Israel about trusting only in God. Not things of our own making that save us, we think, save us. And we get down to verse 33. Soon afterwards, the armies of Midian, Amalek, and other neighbouring nations united in one vast alliance against Israel. They crossed the Jordan and they camped in the Valley of Jezreel. It was an enormous basin valley, the Valley of Jezreel. Certain battles were fought there. You see the Valley of Jezreel turn up in certain battles in the Old Testament. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon And he blew a trumpet as a call to arms. And the men of Abiezer came to him. And he also sent messages throughout Manasseh, Asher, Zebulun and Naphtali, summoning their fighting forces. They were all the tribes of Israel. And those tribes responded. So Gideon has amassed a vast army now of 32,000 men. He presents this to the Lord. And the Lord said, Sorry, Gideon, that's too many. And now we get into chapter 7. Moving on in the story, verse 3. You see, Gideon, if you win, Israel will boast that it was because of their massive army. So tell any of them that are scared, you can go back home. And only 22,000 went home. And there were 10,000 left. But the Lord told Gideon, Still too many. 10,000. Bring them down to the spring and I'll show you which ones will go with you and which ones shall not. So Gideon assembled them at the water. And there the Lord told him, Divide them into two groups, decided by the way they drink. In group one, will be all the men who cup the water in their hands to get it to their mouths. In group two will be those who kneel with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their cupped hands. All the others drank with their mouths to the stream. So God said, I'll conquer the Midianites with these 300. Send the others home. And it's interesting that number 300, it speaks of, it speaks of overcoming against the odds. It speaks of might in battle throughout the Bible. It was the, uh, it was the measurement of the ark that overcame in the flood. It speaks of the, uh, the famous golden shields in Solomon's temple, the 300 shields that they took out and conquered in mighty battle So we have there God just verifying the word with the word. And 300 was his signal that this would be God doing the overcoming. That's the 300 number. It's God's work against the odds. God then instructed Gideon to take his servant down into the vast valley and creep into the enemy camp where many thousands of them had swarmed within the entire countryside. The Bible says it was like like the sand on the seashore and the the candles were too many to be counted. That would have been a frightening sight. They went down, snuck down. When they got close enough, they heard one soldier telling his friend that he had a dream that they'd all be defeated by Gideon and massacred. Now that was handy. And we get into verse 24. When Gideon heard the man talking about the dream, all he could do was just stand there worshipping God. He knew that was God. It's amazing how God somehow gets into the picture. He does that because he is the picture and he's always there. It's just our eyes being able to see him in the picture. So Gideon then turns To his men he goes back and gathers them together and says get up the lord is going to use you to conquer all the vast armies of midian that's his 300 strong man army (laughs) he divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a trumpet and a clay jar with a torch in powerful weapons then he explained his plan when we arrive at the outer guard posts of the camp and that's on high ground do just as i do as soon as i and the men in my group blow our trumpets you blow yours on all sides of the camp so they would have had to actually have quite a reach and shout we fight for god and for gideon Suddenly they blew their trumpets and broke their clay jars so that their torches blazed into the night. And the other 200 of his men did the same, blowing the trumpets in their right hands and holding the flaming torches in their left hands, all shouting, For the Lord and for Gideon. Then they just stood and watched as the whole vast army of the enemy began rushing around in a panic, shouting and running away. For in the confusion, the Lord caused the enemy troops to begin fighting and killing each other from one end of the camp to the other and they fled into the night to places far away. They were just gone. So it's amazing to see the intervention of God as he works in partnership with Gideon. He's told to do some simple things that whittle down Gideon's chances of seeing the victory as anything else, but God's strategic wisdom and God's supernatural power. He'll do the same with us. As we accept that God wishes to break through into our everyday routine lives and manifest the riches of his wisdom and power through us this is not just a nice little story that we can listen to and observe this is about us it's our story we're not going to be told to do anything as mad as what gideon had to do but we can expect god to put us into everyday situations where god puts it into our hearts to do simple and often little surprising things that manifest his heart of love and peace and blessing and power, and his wisdom will be seen in the things he prompts us to do. And those promptings are signs of the intervention of Jesus in his vision for our lives of partnership and friendship with him. God intervened with Gideon. He will intervene on the way as we get faithful situation. There will be things that we'll realize, wow, God, you're confirming this. I didn't expect that. That's a surprise. I just did a little thing. You made it a big thing. That was supernatural. Now, the amazing interventions of God for Gideon were made for the express purpose of showing Gideon that the work was of God and not of him we saw this with the peace offering he had to offer on the altar which spoke of oneness with god that came up first and burning the idols the signal for all of israel to trust only in god that was the beginning that's setting the as it were the bar it's oneness and one god no other gods this was the starting point all the other signs that we saw, we've just read about, were framed within situations where the conditions were turned from one extreme to the other. 32,000, that was one extreme, the other was 300. And the battle became one of the enemy fighting against one another instead of fighting against Israel. That's what you'll see. When truth and light comes in, darkness gets into confusion. And it starts to fight against itself. I believe it's happening in our society today, When righteous people stand up and speak truth. Those that are corrupt and are living in lies attack one another. They think they're attacking, they think, of the enemy and that is those that seek to be upright in God, and yet you see that the battle becomes one between people against each other's agendas. And the reason that the confusion of the enemy occurred down there in that battle that Gideon was fighting against was that one man had a dream that Gideon's army would annihilate them and they had better flee. And his panic threw panic into everyone else. You'll observe that too. Don't panic. You can observe the panic happening. Stay back from the panic. Keep calm. God's at work. So that was all God's work. It wasn't some smart, strategic negotiation from General Gideon. He didn't organise that dream, God did. What Gideon did, he blew a trumpet and ran down a hill with 300 men all shouting and carrying vessels full of fire that they smashed to pieces as they ran. What a fantastic strategy to defeat hundreds of thousands of people. That's what Gideon did, what he was told. So all of these Signs were tests of faith set up for Gideon by God however there was one test that was set up by Gideon for God it's always been a puzzle to me this one it was very early in the story and that's the riddle of the sign of the fleece and this happened before he sent out the messages together all the tribes of Israel together it was when God said that Gideon would have an army that would defeat the Midianites as one man. And I'll read the account to you now in Judges 6.36. So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I'll put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece only and it's dry on all the ground around it, then I'll know that you'll save Israel by my hand as you've said. He did that, and it was so. And he rose the next morning, he squeezed the fleece together, and he filled up a bowl full of water. Well done, Lord. Then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece. I want the fleece dry, but I'd like the ground around wet. And God did that very thing that night. The next morning, the fleece was dry, but there was dew on the ground. And that's an odd one. This test was also framed, just like the other tests, within a situation where the conditions were turned from one extreme to the other. I believe God's showing us that unexpected things can happen you might expect one thing and say oh Lord that couldn't be you and he will show you something and say wow that's impossible God is wanting to intervene and get into our heads that he's at work and for us to have our antenna up and notice what he's doing and who's doing it so that fleece had to be either wet or dry according to Gideon's request what's that mean for us The Bible makes no comment about why this was the request, or even about what Gideon thought or said afterwards, or what God said It just happened. And Gideon got faith, he got God's faith. And that's the point. He felt he was one with God in faith. This is you. You really mean this. I'm following simple steps. I'm going ahead and you're guiding. So, in simple terms, I want to submit to you about the fleece. Over to you on this one. But, in simple terms, a fleece of wool is something I'd like to just share can only exist if a lamb has been slain or sacrificed. Now, I believe this is prophetic for us of Jesus. Who gives us his faith for every situation. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says, The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, not just in. There's a sense where Jesus says, I'm going to be there. So no matter what the extremes are of our circumstances as we sit here today or how little faith that we have that things will work out work out for good the reality of our faith is our trust in the faith of Jesus who asks the Father on our behalf for his good will to be done Romans 8.25 when we're not sure how to pray. Holy Spirit and Jesus. Jesus who knows the mind of the Spirit and the Spirit who sees our weakness. He helps us in our weakness because we don't quite know what to pray. He says, leave it with me. Jesus who knows the mind of the Spirit goes to the Father and prays for the Father's will to be done on our behalf. And Jesus, our intercessor, as his prayer answered. That's having the faith of Jesus. You see, that fleece was going to be there for Gideon, no matter how implausible the test was for God to show he was there for him. Jesus was going to turn up for Gideon, wet or dry. You say, wet, well, I'll give you wet. You want dry? I'll give you dry. You want in the middle? I'm in the middle. Doesn't matter what you ask, I am in this thing and I'll show you me in it. The lamb that was slain. He'll turn up for us as our faith. I am here with the Father and the Spirit. He turns up in a way that assures us by His Spirit that it's really him who's doing the supernatural. He's doing the supernatural for us and through us as his vessel. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. When this rest of faith has been entered into and we know that the power of God is at work we don't quite know what he's up to because he'll surprise us it becomes clear that it is not about our estimation of ourselves anymore not here's my cv lord i'm unemployable i'm the least and so is my family so it's not about our estimation of ourselves anymore in our weakness he becomes our strength When we activate this kind of faith, we'll be in partnership with God. Being guided along the way forward by the Holy Spirit, thank you Lord you're doing it, thank you Lord you're doing it, and being prompted by Him about what to do next. That means waiting sometimes. What do I do next? Nothing? Nothing. Okay? Do nothing. How long, Lord? Wait, okay. Our battle is against our unbelief that God is with us in everything that is happening. So we're not going to be driven by drivenness. But he'll tell us what to do. But we don't know what's happening. Well, what do we do with that? What did God say to Gideon? Two things. I'll be with you. And... I'll succeed, and you'll succeed. So our battle is against our unbelief that God is with us in everything that's happening, and even if we don't understand why it's happening, we trust that God's bringing about the best for us right now. It's a present moment experience. It's not, yeah, but that shouldn't have happened, Lord. I would have believed you if that would have gone all right, but that didn't go all right. So now I'm tush. Well that was that, and that thing that happened then, that was then, this is now, and now I'm in charge, and now at this present moment, you are receiving from me the best thing that could be happening now. Oh, well what is it? It's me, and I'm succeeding, alright well this time I'll trust you, you're getting faith. You see, as earthen vessels, we battle against three things here. The unbelief that there is an excellence of power within us as an earthen vessel. We struggle against that. We struggle against not understanding why what is happening to us is happening. We struggle against that. We're earthen vessels. As earthen vessels, we struggle against trusting that God is bringing about the best for us right now. Now, when we know by faith that the earthen vessel and the treasure always act together, it's no longer about our wrong estimation of ourselves as an empty earthen vessel. Number one. Two, it is about God being with us in everything that is happening. Number two. And number three, it is about God bringing about the best for us in the situation, right now, for us to say thank you, Lord, for what's happening now. Thank you, Lord, for being our faith and our strength in our weakness. Amen.